This is the Right Way Podcast. Right Way Podcast. The 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 Right Way Podcast. Hello, everyone out there in digital land, and thank you, as always, for listening to this latest episode of the Right Way Podcast program with me, your host, Samuel Elliott. And we have a very special, or I should say, I have a very special podcast episode for you this afternoon, this evening, whatever time you're listening to this on, because this is one of the episodes of uh, a type of creative luminary that we haven't had on the program for a while, which is a filmmaker, a filmmaker of tremendously awesome repute, Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon Cronenberg is a Canadian filmmaker, for those not in the know, uh, and he has just created or released into the world his third film, Infinity Pool, which what we discussed uh, but I have not seen Brenda's first Antivira but I most certainly have seen Possessor his second and absolutely loved it so imagine if you will how much of a pleasure and privilege it was for me to talk to him on the show about Infinity Pool Infinity Pool his third his latest film Brennan's film is set around a fictional fictional island uh, on a fictional nation Latorca I believe is how it's pronounced Brandon did give me the pronunciation in the interview but I'm going to go with Latorca with in this introduction and it's centers around two characters James a I don't want to say failed I'd say a struggling writer uh, who's trying to kind of follow on from his first book and is kind of adrift in a sort of state trying to find some sort of inspiration and he is with his uh, lovely and moneyed wife M and they are at this uh, fictional resort Latorca where they kind of have a chance encounter with Gabby and Gabby then subsequently introduces him to her husband and they go out for dinner and then start to get into you know the drunken frivolities that the wealthy and the moneyed and the uh, entitled subsequently can do within these sort of circumstances and then something goes tremendously awry at the tail end of another sort of drunken outing that acts as the inciting incident and then we get into the meat of the story don't want to go into that too much because you know i am uh, someone that's not a fan of spoilies so won't talk too much about that but yeah it was an absolute pleasure to talk to brandon cronenberg uh within a brief period of time we talked about some very meaty subjects and it was an absolute delight to do so so without further ado i'd like you all to give a big digital round of applause to canadian filmmaker brandon cronenberg discussing with me his third and latest film just out in the wild now a release on may 11th infinity pool Hello, Brandon. How are you going? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm real good. Look, I wanted to start with a question that was in terms of uh, some themes I found crossover between Possessor and Infinity Pool. I felt like both films very different, but there was one thing that sort of carried throughout for me, and that was the loss of self through body transformation. So with Possessor, it's more transforming into oneself, one's consciousness through into someone else's body. With Infinity Pool, it was losing oneself through the doubling process or the, the surrogate sort of duplication there. And I wanted Brendan, why there was this theme that sort of has captured your imagination so and uh you wanted to kind of explore variations of that for your films i guess i mean you know when i'm writing an idea just kind of gets stuck in my head and, and i mm. have to run with it and it's it's not really a, a kind of conscious effort to explore uh particular ideas across different films uh, I think it's just that on a certain fundamental level, filmmaking and, and the storytelling in general is about what it means to be a, a person, you know, what, what it means to be a human being. People explore that in, in various ways. And for me, I guess I, I kind of am stuck at that base level of, you know, what, what it is. <laughs> on a basic level to be one 
person or entity continuously through time and uh, and in the world. Interesting. So in terms of being one continuous entity, I guess then you would face what it means to be a person with a moral compass, whether good or bad. So for me with Infinity Pool, you kind of, uh, you pinpoint to the demarcation between those that are perhaps going to be remorseful for committing a transgression and those that won't. And that's the sort of fork in the road there. I feel like that was exemplified between M and James's reaction to, without any sport, but the the first sort of exposure to the doubling and that sort of uh, ritualistic sort of ceremony. And I wondered about that, Brandon, if that's something that you sort of also captured your imagination or if that was something you want to explore as well, because there's the fork in the road for those that uh, are going to make amends or genuinely want to make reparations. And for those that don't, they want to veer down kind of the the path that I guess James sort of continues down. What do you think? I mean, I I don't think that people fall into those categories. (laughs) You know, that's the question. I I don't think people are either good or bad. You know, I I think it's it's much more complicated and no one is really good or bad necessarily that it's... even what those terms mean, it's it's all so subjective and ethics is such a kind of nebulous area of thought. Um, in Infinity Pool, partly James is led down that path, you know, again, not to not to spoil it, but it, it has a lot to do with, you know, his sort of his sort of vanity and, and his character, what he what he's desperate for. Uh, in a sense, he has an image of himself. He's playing a character for himself. This is who who he uh, who is self-image uh, what his self-image is, which is at odds with who he actually is in the world. And so when he's presented with someone who uh, at least ostensibly sees him as the character who he wants to play, as, as the uh, as the person he plays for himself, that's very attractive and he can't help but follow that. Um, I think it's it's less about the fact that he's in, he's fundamentally bad, as, whereas M is fundamentally good, and it's more just that he's vulnerable because of this this kind of vanity and because of the, this uh, insecurity. Yeah, definitely. I didn't mean to say that there was sort of that binary in terms of good and bad. I thought that was just perhaps within their reactions itself. That was a that was a good sort of catalyst to to their different sort of reactions, and then define that. But I think that when you touched on it then as well, mentioning about um, no one being inherently good, no one being inherently bad, I agree with you on that but also in terms of i guess what the sort of um the crux of what the the doubling sort of surrogate allows is kind of uh potentially and again it caters to james with his vanity and then kind of he, he might be perhaps a bit more susceptible to that but in terms of if, if someone has infinity chances and it's to, to not be too funny but in terms of infinity chances of um never really sort of making reparations then i think that that could then make fertile ground for someone to kind of go down a very dark path in terms of uh murder and transgression what do you think there brand is that something that you kind of explored yeah for sure i mean i I think history is full of very normal people doing incredibly horrible things because they're suddenly in a context where where those things are not only permitted but actually encouraged you know i I think Mm. we like to think of ourselves maybe as not (laughs) being incredibly horrible but you know history suggests that we have it in us probably in the right context in the right place in the the right time and so i think again it's not really it's not really that james is worse than other people or that these people are necessarily worse than other people inherently i mean Mm. they kind of are (laughs) they kind of are shitty people in the you know in the film but they're also incredibly bland people who end up doing incredibly horrible things things because uh, there are no consequences and because th- those things are suddenly uh, safe for them to do, you know, and I think, uh, I think very normal, very normal people can get there very quickly in that context. Yeah, definitely. The way I kind of looked at it was taking the pound of flesh is becomes a lot less painful because there's so many more pounds of flesh to give. So there's no sort of um, repercussions 
for your crimes, no matter how much you're you're willing to commit, provided that you kind of have the the money or the wherewithal to make reparations like that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you can get away with it, you know, uh, you're going to get away with it. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you've kind of touched on James's vanity there, but like, uh, first of all, the the country is it is it? I think there's a couple of different pronunciations that go around. A, a talker or La Talker? Ali Talker. Ali Talker. Right. Okay. Nice little uh, generic sort of uh, exotic locale there. But um, I wonder why people would go there in the first place, James, in terms of, and I feel like it's something that that um, people that are kind of maybe perhaps the, the the wealthy and the influential, they sort of drawn to these places that are perceived as uh, having an element of lawlessness. And there was kind of two sort of quotes that stood out for me for, and I, again, I want to preface this by saying this, this doesn't necessarily mean they're inherently evil or inherently bad. I just thought that there was a good contrast. And there was one point when I think M talks about saying that there, there was discussions about potential danger for going outside the resort, et cetera. And she said something like, like it's a poor country, you know, they can't help it. And then later on, Gabby says something about describing it as uh, it's filthy and it's brutal. And I thought that's an interesting sort of dichotomy there in terms of the the country or the way in which people perceive it, but still go there. But what sort of attracts people to these sort of locations or locales where they, there's potentially this element of lawlessness or dangerousness? What, what do you think that is, Brandon? I mean, in the real world, I think it's less the lawlessness usually and more uh, because there's been a bubble created by the government that mm-hmm. is attractive just physically there's you know there's a great beach <laughs> and, yeah. and you can go there and you're never going to really experience the actual country you're going to be uh bust from the airport to this resort compound you know you it, it's going to be a great beach whatever the troubles are in the actual country you're never going to see them or care about them or know about them and then you're going to get bust out at the end of the week um i think it's more that i mean it, it, that isn't to say that people don't uh ever you know go to go to these places you know, for other reasons, like, you know, for instance, the, the sex tourism of Thailand and, and yep. you know, the, the ethics, the, the ethics of that are, are pretty dubious and that kind of thing does happen. But I think it's more, uh, it's a more mundane version of that in infinity pool, at least initially, you know, it's, it's more of just the, the beach resort vacation that I think your average person might take. And they, they kind of stumble on this, this other aspect, which, which becomes a, a tourist attraction for them in the way that, you know, I think tourist culture often will treat the host country as a kind of playground for for their own uh vacations rather than as, as a kind of place with its its culture and history definitely so i think it's fashion particularly for i guess for the wealthy and influential to have the the means largest to be able to do that um particularly within the context of infinity pool i guess what the way in which i kind of um would look at um gabby and alvin's sort of cabal there is that they have sort of fashioned it into this uh devil's playground that they can you know carry or shoot out every sort of whim that they might be desired. Something in the kind of uh, likeness that maybe perhaps the Marquis de Sade would enjoy himself. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's interesting because, I mean, because the, I kind of asked myself as well when I was, when I was, and again, without any sort of spoilers, but in terms of the, after the inciting incident, the repercussions of the inciting incident and the first introduction of the doubling or the surrogate and the, that, that sort of, that sort of ritual. I was like, what, what could potentially be uh, from a, uh, sort of uh, societal perspective, what would be the potential benefit of witnessing uh, oneself being executed in some capacity? And I was wondering if it, if it's something that then would strike terror in so far 
as a person that's kind of uh, sitting on or balancing on the tightrope of uh, not entirely good, not entirely bad, uh, but potentially a little bit wayward. What do you think, Brandon? Was it something that you kind of considered at all? Was that just the, the transformation or the beginning of to the sort of pursuing the rabbit hole of what James kind of goes with with Gabby and that cabal of people? Sure. I mean, I think in James's case, um, you know, I don't how do I talk about this without spoiling it? There's, <laughs> there's an aspect to his character that may uh, cause that experience of, of self-destruction to be something a little bit profound mm. or satisfying uh, at least on a certain level and so i think it, it, there, there's a kind of like magic realism to the story uh this one absurd thing that, that exists in an otherwise kind of normal world mm. and even though it's science fiction it's not really predictive science fiction it's it's it, it has this kind of absurdity to it and so there is there is a sense that this experience is sort of transformative to people it's sort of pleasurable for people but it, for james in particular it connects to his character and, and um you know, a kind of uh, self-loathing or um, desire to destroy his his self in the world. In terms of the self-loathing, and I think that, again, um, you've, you've touched on several times as to how we sort of find James, and I guess he's kind of adrift, sort of in search of inspiration, this sort of writer that's kind of produced one novel, and that kind of makes him potentially, potentially susceptible to pursuing as far as the rabbit hole goes with that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of the pursuit of what kind of arises from the doubles, uh, and that, and then kind of being indoctrinated in that. I wondered as well about the sort of theme that runs throughout, albeit kind of exemplified through Gabby and the others, is these notions or their notions, which are potentially twisted in terms of strength and cowardice and sort of deriving from strength sort of perceived or immediately associated with violence and cowardice is a reluctance to sort of pursue violence. I don't know, Brandon, what, what did you think? Was that something in which you kind of considered throughout? The idea that strength is about violence mm, in particular. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to make a, a particular, uh, any kind of particular commentary on, on that. I mean, I think there, mm. there's a certain kind of person uh, who is obsessed with the idea of strength and, and, you know, uh, I find that to be very weird, you know, <laughs> personally and, and what these people consider to be strength tends to be, uh, tends to be pretty skewed. Uh, so in this kind of ritualistic path, uh, uh, you know, this, this sort of path of transformation that these characters go along, you know, maybe there, there are these, these sort of old ideas about strength and, and violence and, and sacrifice, but I, I, they're, they're more kind of window dressing for the, what they're doing, I think, rather than, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it, that, that, it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't deliberate. Okay. No worries. Awesome. Brandon, last question I have in terms of, um, and sort of it's, it's climactic. So I don't want to touch too much on it, but there's a sort of line in relation to the revealing of the dog and, uh, sort of saying that the dog is the only for the blood. Can you free yourself from your past? And I thought that the amount, no matter how many times one can duplicate oneself through the, through the ritual and kind of, uh, you know, undergo this sort of cleansing after however many transgressions are committed, can one ever sort of escape oneself and one's past through any sort of ritual, be it bloodletting or the double, you know, etc.? What do you think, Bryn? Is that something that, again, was at the forefront of your mind or is that something that kind of just happened organically with the climax of the movie? Are you asking because you you have something you're, <laughs> you're trying to escape personally or...? <laughs> Lots of demons swirling around, Brandon, but I don't know. I wanted to hear from you. No, I mean, uh, I think you're sort of constantly building yourself uh, as a person. I, I feel like you, you're constantly in flux. Being a human is a kind of creative act. It's a kind of performance. And it's not just a performance 
for other people we perform ourselves for ourselves and but mm. that character is constantly this this malleable thing i don't think that there's there's, there's a kind of essence that, that we take with us from moment to moment that just is is a human being um maybe these bloodletting <laughs> ceremonies or, or ritual sacrifices as a as a, a psychological break could let somebody, you know, let go of, of a kind of former vision of themselves that they are completely hooked into, that they absolutely cannot get out of their heads, but would like to. Um, so maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, certainly not in a magical way. I'll leave it on that. But look, could talk to you all day, Brandon, but absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, there you go, everyone. There you have it. That was me talking to Brandon Cronenberg about his third and latest film that is just out now as of May 11th in Australian cinemas, Infinity Pool. So huge thanks here to Brandon for talking to me on the show. I did mean what I said to him towards the tail end of that. I could talk to him for much, much longer and in much more sort of uh, relaxed circumstances. But them's the bricks it was an absolute pleasure to talk to him within the capacity that we did um hopefully i'll see him around the traps at some point and get to talk to him for an even longer period of time about infinity pool plus anything else he's coming out with i believe he's also got a adaption of a jg ballard novel into a series as well which i am totally here for so yeah huge thanks brandon cronenberg for talking with me all things infinity pool on the program and as always and while i'm in a thanking mood thank you so much to you dear listener for listening to this particular episode of the right way podcast program as well as you know what i'm going to say next listening to the ever proliferating back catalog there as well if you haven't already depending upon where you're listening to this on give it a let's just say rule of thumb if you're listening to this on spotify be sure to give a cheeky follow there at the top of the page uh i believe there's also an equivalent on apple uh itunes podcast as well i'm not familiar with that or on soundcloud there's all different variations but whatever it is whatever the case whatever medium or app that you're listening to this on please be sure to give it a follow and tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your enemies that this uh, podcast is a thing and that you've enjoyed it and that uh, they should listen to it as well uh, because that would be greatly appreciated Um, and yeah more eps of the show are to follow your way I've given to the eagle-eyed or the uh, fanatical followers on the social media platforms if you already follow the show on at the right way podcast on Instagram for that particular handle or at Samuel Elliott author again on Instagram those are the two main ways in which I communicate any news and updates about the show if you've already been following them then you would have seen the announcement of the briefly on the Instagram story the announcement for uh, August and September's guests as well as June so yes we've got a few coming up you would notice that I've kind of really pared back uh, the amount of guests on the show this this year that's purely because I'm sort of um, obviously juggling my own long form work as well which I'm always hopeful dear listeners that you will get to read in the fullness of time I think it's coming along quite nicely uh, so yeah but um, be sure to follow the social media accounts on Instagram, my own personal author one, as well as the shows on Instagram, and then keep abreast of everything that's going on. But for now, I thank you very much, and I bid you a good day.